You know, as I was reading this parsha, I, I had a really good feeling. I said, here, uh, Sarah died at 127. We know that Abraham died at 175. We know that uh, when they were 90 and 100, respectively, they had a son. And we know that Abraham, probably around the age of 140, took another wife. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, I am young. <laughs> this is great. There is really an opportunity here. I I'm just thinking, yeah, okay. Genesis 24, 1 to 4. And uh, I th I'm just going to speak about one thing, uh, I believe. Um, <laughs> And it comes from Genesis 24, 1 through 4. And I believe we're going to talk about a key principle in Scripture. A foundational principle coming out of Genesis 24, 1 through 4. So, now Abraham was old, advanced in years, and Adonai blessed Abraham in everything. Then Abraham said to his servant and the oldest of his household who managed everything that belonged to him, Now put your hand under my thigh so that I may make you take an oath by Adonai, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from among the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am dwelling. On the contrary, to my land and to my relatives, you must go and get a wife for my son Isaac. So um, let's take this verse by verse, and then we'll look at what I think is that key principle. So the first thing in verse 1 we see is that Abraham was blessed, and I believe he was blessed not because he was such a great guy, because he made his share of mistakes, uh, but he was a man of faith. And God saw that faith in his heart, and that was seen as righteousness. And so that was great, and, and Abraham was promised a legacy, and, and he understood that the legacy that he was promised had to do with his, not only God's faithfulness, but his own faithfulness. Abraham had to be faithful. And uh, so he understood this concept of promise. And in verse 2, we see he picked his oldest and most trusted servant for the same reason. He understood what the, the, the seriousness of a promise and figured that this is the best person who could do the job because he's loyal, he's trustworthy, uh, he's been with me for years and years. And uh, Abraham was, was very loyal, loyal to God, loyal to his, uh, what was it, his nephew, Lot, uh, to Sarah, and even to the sons of Heth, who uh, in chapter 23 he bought the cave from in order to bury his wife Sarah. So his servant, Eliezer, uh, understood that this was not just a promise because when Abraham told him, this was a promise that was important to God. Uh, this was based on Adonai, the God of heaven and the God of the earth. And what did Abraham require of the servant? 
to go to his his uh, relatives and um, and actually that could have been difficult you know it was a fairly long journey and probably a dangerous journey but he was going to go and find a wife for Isaac and definitely not from the Canaanite group so let's interrupt the story to focus on the foundational biblical principle that God has laid out here and in many, many places throughout Scripture. Here it is. We are to live in this world, but not be of it. And that's what Abraham was doing. He was living in the world. He was living with the Canaanites. But he was not of this world. When it came to making a major decision for his son, he knew that he could not draw from the idol-worshipping Canaanites. He had to draw from a family that respected God, or at least be open to God. Really, if you think of it, even his relatives didn't really know the Lord at this point. And so, um, but he sense that because, probably because he had a calling, and this calling was to raise up a nation and to really inhabit the land of the Canaanites, uh, he probably thought this is not a good idea to have a Canaanite as Isaac's wife. Also, we see it's, if we rephrase this concept, this foundational principle, we are to live in this world and yet be separate. So it's important to do both. And this is really difficult. Because to live in this world and yet be separated from it is, is a very difficult job. We are not called to be arrogant. We're not called to be better than anybody else. We're called to be in this world and yet be separate. We're also called to be the light in the darkness. And guess what? If you're the light in the light, your light is not going to be looking that bright because there will be all the other lights. You need, in order for your light to shine, it's going to have to shine in darkness. So that means that it, the, the same concept. Yes, we're supposed to be separate, but we're supposed to be involved with people who don't know the Lord, people who are idol worshipers, people, and, and by the way, you know, when, you, when I say an idol worshiper, probably you're thinking of this figure that, you know, we put on a, a mantle somewhere, that kind of idol. No, 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 no. You know the kind of idols uh, we have, we have sports, we have, well, we have all sorts of things. We won't go into that this second. But the fourth way of looking at this same concept, which I think is a biblical foundational principle, is we are to influence the world and not be influenced by it. So one of the things that's just beginning to happen in our culture is people who have never, never been involved in influencing a broader group of people are now rising up because they're saying, 
to the school board and to whatever politicians, they're saying, look, I'm the one who takes care of my kid. It's not you. And, and so they live to, they are now influencing the world. They are creating their own group of parents who are saying, we've, we've taken a lot, but this is where it stops. And I think this is a tremendous thing to get involved in because we, we want to make sure that we are given the rights to raise our kids. The whole idea of Abraham and Isaac is that Abraham trained Isaac. And it wasn't a school, and it wasn't any, any government thing. It was Abraham, because he trained him in the way of God. And then Isaac, as, as Tyler so beautifully put it, did nothing. But he, <laughs> but he, waited, he waited for God's plan. I mean, he could have run off in rebellion somewhere easily. So we are to influence the world, not be influenced by it. This is very difficult because the world, as we know, and sin, as we know, is very tempting. There are a lot of things that feel good about the world. And yet we have to say no. In fact, some of our common sense says, well, what's wrong with that? And God says everything, you know? And, and that's difficult. That's very difficult. So Abraham knew God, and he insisted that Eliezer take this bride, not from the Canaanites, be, even though, look, he lived, he lived with them. He had good relations with them. I'm sure there were wonderful, smart, bright beautiful women available from the Canaanites. And yet, this is not what they did. So this is a great example, I think, of this principle of being in the world, but not of it. You know, Abraham had some experience of doing it his way. He, not that you shouldn't listen to your wife, but in this case, he listened to his wife instead of Sarah. He, he, I mean, he listened to his wife instead of the Lord. And, and you know, he, he had a lot of tsuris after that. You understand the word tsuris? Uh, it means uh, difficulty. And so we see that because he didn't trust God at that very time or didn't apply the trust that he had, they ended up with Ishmael and it, it hurt their marriage. It hurt. It, it was just a lot of pain because of making the wrong decision. So when it came to Isaac, he was going to make the right decision. He was going to do this with God. And um, the foundational biblical principle should be applied today in our lives. Like many biblical principles, 
It's easy to understand the principle. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to do. There's so much pressure on us to agree with our culture and agree with our world. And our kids are looking at us and saying, you're like from another universe. Don't you understand? Uh, and, and we're saying, you're right. And you're joining my universe. Not, I'm not joining yours. Um, it, it, look, it's it just something that we have to figure out how to do this in a way that pleases God. We can't just be, uh, we can't just tell our kids what to do and, and expect them to jump, especially as they're teens and going into their 20s. On the other hand, hopefully, they will hear and respect us enough to follow us. Because there is that time period where they get older and they think they can do it their own way. And there's so much pressure on them. But we are here to take the pressure off of them and lead them to God. Lead them to God's way. As I said, it's difficult. Think of how difficult it was even for Abraham and Isaac and Eliezer. First of all, Eliezer had to travel a good distance to Abraham's relatives. Eliezer would have to find the correct girl. Tyler covered that too, I think. Eliezer's story would have to be believed by the family and by, in this case, Rebecca. Rebecca would have to agree to go with Eliezer. Her family would have to allow Rebecca to go and leave. And both Rebecca and Isaac would have to agree with a plan to marry a person they had never seen. Now, I understand arranged marriages were normal at that time, but I don't think it meant to leave everybody you know and leave the town that you grew up in and go to a, a, a land that you don't know where it is and you're going with a complete stranger. I thought parents were telling their kids, don't go with strangers. So, so they, they had a lot against them and if it were not for God coming in and as Tyler said, doing his stuff behind the scenes in people's hearts. This would never have happened. And it's the same thing with our kids. We might not see what God is doing in their hearts, but God is going to be working in their hearts. They, we, we have a promise just like Abraham had a promise. And our kids are going to be, the, the, the legacy we're going to leave to them is all about God and faith. And everything else will be follow from there. So, um, let's look at a couple scriptures. Because I want you to understand the strength by which God is asking you to be separated, but yet involved. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.9. All of this scripture is about separation. You're a chosen people, that means you're separate. You're a royal priesthood, 
that means you're separate. You're a holy nation, you're definitely separate. You're a people for God's own possession, you're separate. You are to proclaim the praises of the one who called you, you're definitely separated. And you are to be the, the, the marvelous light because you have his marvelous light so you can go into that darkness and again be separate but be involved. Because the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light has called us in a sense back to the darkness to speak to them about the light. So... You know, this is all about being separate and yet being involved. Um, we need to be part of the world. We cannot remove ourselves from those who don't believe or believe differently. This is a very tricky situation. Some of those people might be our family. <laughs> they may, might be long-term friends. And what pressure there is to speak to our family and our friends and they say, oh, well, you're holier than thou. I guess you think you're perfect, don't you? So we have to figure out ways to speak so that we will be humble and yet hold up the name of the Lord. And, and we have to do this because this is God's calling to you and I. This is his calling for us. John 17, 15 through 18. Yeshua is praying to the Father, and he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Look, sometimes we say, boy, I'd really like to be out of the world. But that's not God's will for us. And Yeshua even says that but that you keep them from the evil one. And this is why spiritual warfare is so important, because if we're going to um, be kept from the evil one, we have to be praying. We have to be part of that army of people who will not allow the enemy to tempt us and to draw us in. So, and then it says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. So we are holy in the truth of God's word. And just as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So that means that even for those of you, because I know believers that, you know, that they have this thing with Halloween. It's, it's like, um, we're, we're not going to, we're going to shut our doors. We're going to Turn off the lights. We're going we're gonna, to... Nobody's home. But Yeshua has sent us to these very people. And they're coming to our door. How many times do unbelievers come to your door and say, Hi. And you say, Oh, this is wonderful. I have not only a little candy for you, but I have this cute little pamphlet with, you see this pumpkin? And it's all about God. And if you have any questions about it, go home, ask your parents, then come back to me. We'll talk. Yeah. I mean, you have this opportunity. The kid comes to your door. 
The parent can't say, well, how can you talk to my kids that way? Well, you sent them to my door. I don't know. I, I just thought, I'd, you know, and, and it says trick or treat. I'm just, I'm just in with this holiday, you know. I might have a little different take on it, but well, I don't know. Uh, so, 2 Corinthians 6 gives us this incredible difficult scripture. This is, this is like, you know, there's some scriptures that believers really dislike. And this is one of those scriptures, especially when they want to marry somebody who's not a believer, or they want to go into partnership with somebody who's not a believer in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, uh, I understand that some people say it's so hard to understand the Bible and everybody interprets it differently. Well, let's try. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, I'll take your interpretation of what that means. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Now, I am glad that this is the written word because in the culture that we live in, Somebody is going to say, are you calling me lawless? No, I'm just reading the scripture here. And, and then it says, or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Oh, I suppose you're light and I'm darkness, huh? What harmony does Messiah have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement does God's temple have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. They shall be my people. So, look, there are a couple difficult things here. Number one, it's difficult if God is disagreeing with us. We have to then all of a sudden... Uh, revamp our theology and say, well, it didn't really mean this. Um, but the other problem is that it is so clear that we are to be a light, which puts, again, tremendous pressure on us, because what if people don't think we're a light because we don't act like a light? So, the person who's the unbeliever is saying, wait a minute, let, let, let's look at this. Uh, there's you and there's me. And you're saying, you're light and I'm darkness. And can we go over the past kind of months of what you've been doing? And, you know, look, if, if we're going to be the people of the book, we have to be the people of the book. We can't just pick and choose here what's good and what isn't in terms of, you know, we, we have to be the people of the book. So what is clear is we're to be in the world but not of it. We're to live in the world and yet be separate. We're to be the light in the darkness. We're to influence the world, not be influenced by it. Abraham had a legacy, and that legacy was the legacy of faith. And through that legacy of faith, this one man became the, the, the father of Israel, so to speak, the father of the, Isra uh, of the uh, Jewish nation. 
And you and I have been given a legacy. And the legacy has to do with Yeshua the Messiah. And that has to be given to our children and their children's children. We, our legacy is going to be influenced by how well we navigate this principle. We can't demand this principle. This is a principle that has to be received by the recipient. It's like if I were to leave a legacy of $1,000 to you and you say, well, I'm not taking it, that's your option. Well, it's the same thing with this. My legacy is for you to be a light because I'm a light and they're saying, well, I, I really don't want it. So it's a very tricky thing. Our integrity will be measured by how well we follow the truth that God has given us in his word and the subsequent choices we make because of his truths. Look, what's complicated here is not God's word. What's complicated is how to do God's word. So as an example of the complication here is that, that God is asking us to be a light, and yet we are far from perfect, and we constantly are asking for forgiveness. We know that we are not righteous on our own, but our righteousness is in the Lord. How do you explain that to somebody else? Because they're looking for believers to be perfect, and we aren't. So this is difficult. But God will see our loyalty to him and his word. And not only will he judge us accordingly, but I believe a lot of the results will be according to our loyalty to him and his word. And it might not show in the first year or the second year or the, the year that you want your child to get it. You know, they turned 18 or 20 and they're going out of the house now and, and, and you're saying, I can't let this kid out of the house. Well, the thing is that we've got to be on our knees because this legacy is a spiritual battle as well. And it's all about our ability to engage with people and yet be separate. If all we want to do is be separate, our kids will see that in a moment and they will say, that, that does not make sense. We have to be sure we're following God's way of doing this. When we see sin in people's lives, we have to Remember Galatians 6.1. Boy, I haven't mentioned that scripture in quite a while. Who, who knows Galatians 6.1? Anybody know Galatians 6.1? Oh, you've got to know this. This is an important scripture. Brethren, or the TLV says brothers and sisters, you who are spiritual, which I guess all of you think you are, right? Okay. You who are spiritual, and you find somebody who has trespassed. 
restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Otherwise, you too will be tempted. And there's nothing worse than believers who lose it, who have fallen into the temptation because they're correcting somebody else's sin. It's about choices. We need to make the right choice. Abraham made his choice to trust in God and make his choice based on the decision of trust. That's how he would, he would, in his later years, he wanted to please God because he knew what it was all about. He made the mistakes. He did good things, but now it was the time to really get things straight. And Joshua, when he took over in Joshua 24, 14, and 15, you're all familiar with the last part of that verse because we sing it all the time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord or we will worship the Lord. But he gives the people a choice. He says, first of all, he says, fear God, fear Adonai, worship him in sincerity and in truth. So that means... Look, God's going to be looking at your heart. It's not just what you're saying, but he's going to look at your heart. And then he says, get rid of the gods that your fathers had worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and, and worship Adonai. If it seems bad to you to worship Adonai, then choose for yourselves today whom you'll serve. Whether the gods that your fathers worshipped that were beyond the river of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will worship. We will serve the Lord. We've got to fear God. We've, we've got to show that we fear God. It might be easier to allow the idols to influence our lives, but we have to make a conscious decision to follow the Lord and expect to leave a legacy of faith to our children and their children. Reminds me of a conversation yesterday that I had with a visitor, and um, we were talking, she was talking about how difficult it is to make the right choices, and I said, well, let me see if I can give you some motivation. Um, think of who you'd like to marry and what you'd like your children to be like. Does that help at all? She's, now, this is a 30-year-old gal. She said, well, I've never been in love. I'm not sure I'm going to be married, and I'm probably not going to have kids. And I went, oh, boy. <laughs> I blew that one. But, you know, so there, it's, it's always nice to know who you're talking to before you open your mouth. Mine my was... That great example of saying the wrong thing, it didn't matter what time, it would have been the wrong thing. So I had to uh, back up and say, well, let me see if I can find another motivation for you. But uh, really, we, we want to leave this legacy and, and, and it's so critical that we get our lives straight so that we can leave this legacy. And, and where we have to get it straight is this. It's very simple. We have to be in the world. We cannot be of the world. It's that simple. And every time 
we do something to become part of the world, we lose part of our ability to affect the world. And it, it shows that the world is influencing us rather than we are influencing others. So the question today is, are you willing to be separated from idols? The idols can be addictions. And, you know, when you think of addictions, oftentimes you think of drugs, but there are so many other addictions out there. Um, obviously, there's sex. There's, besides, those are the, are the two main ones we think about, but it could be football. It could be sports. You know, it could be shopping. It could be lots of things. Uh, there, there are all sorts of things that draw us into the world and, and cause us to struggle with our relationship with God because we've allowed temptation to come in. We, we really have to figure out, and I'm not here to tell you the definition of what it means to not be of the world. I'm not going to set the standards for you. That's between you and God. But you do have to make sure that you are, are you, you're being honest with yourself and with God. That's the hard part, to be honest with yourself and God. As you think about, are you willing to make the difficult choices for God? Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua that we would, we would learn from you and from your word how to be in the world and not be tempted and influenced by the sin in the world and by the idols in the world. I pray in the name of Yeshua that we would be, learn how to be separate but engaged at the same time. I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength, more strength than we have currently, to overcome fear and not allow the temptations of this world to lead us to idols and not feel the peer pressure of other people and, and all the other things that would cause us to move away from you. I pray once again that we would make right choices and that I pray that when people look back at our lives, we will have left a godly legacy, that our, our family will be a godly family and our children will be godly and our children's children will be godly and we will, we will be so excited about seeing the fruit that is in their lives. And then, Lord, you said, if we seek you like that, Father, you'll, you'll add everything else to us. And that's what I believe, Lord, that you'll add all the other things that we're concerned about, the academics, the, the sports, or whatever, whatever is our big concern that our kids need to be this way. Lord, just... Allow them to be filled with the power of your spirit. And I know you will add everything else to them. Lord, you'll give them joy. You'll give them peace in every type of situation. Father, these things are so much greater 
than the, the lures of this world. So, Father, pour out your Spirit, please, over our congregation, over our families. And I pray, Lord, also, if there's anybody here who has never accepted Yeshua as their Messiah, this should be the day that you do so, because without Yeshua, you can't go to the Father. You can't address the Father. Well, you can address Him, but, but, but Scripture says that Yeshua is the way. And so, Lord, I, I ask that if there's anybody who's never received Yeshua as their Messiah, that they would do so this day, just by repenting and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Father, I receive Yeshua into my life as Lord and Messiah. And I pray, Lord, that I will, that from here on in, I'm going to dedicate my life to you because I, I have two choices. One is to dedicate my life to you and the other is to dedicate my life to the world. And so I choose you, Lord. I choose you. And I thank you and I praise you for all of this in the name of Yeshua. If somebody here has received the, the Lord Yeshua for the first time, feel free to come to me after services. Um, if Somebody on Facebook has received Yeshua as their Messiah. Feel free to email me or call the office. We want to be in touch with you. We want to give you a book, a special book. And I would just mention, if, if you want to understand what are the majors of Shoresh David and I, hopefully the Messianic movement, come to the class today at 1.30 in the sanctuary because I believe that we have to know the rock that we stand on. So Lord, thank you. I bless you in the name of Yeshua.